Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, right? Yes? It is indeed uh, every Sunday uh, when it's coming up and every time during the week when I'm preparing and thinking about this morning, it is kind of a, a joy and an anticipation that fills my heart. I hope that is true also of you. We want to see people come to Christ and everyone, everyone who reads the scriptures just a little bit know that God has a special vision for his creation. And as the centerpiece of that vision is his community, the church, and the effect that they would have on this world uh, for the accomplishment of the vision uh, that God has for all of his creation. Don't miss that point. If, if you think uh, that, the, you know, you look around and it doesn't seem like, like uh, the church is all that uh, effective around, well... Study some more and you will see around the globe that the church has never grown any faster than it does at this moment. In fact, whole community, whole nations are being changed by this, right? I had a, had a student, uh, uh, just, uh, talked to him not too long ago here, uh, just, uh, in a, in a meeting with, with a number of other people just to kind of highlight this. So he's, uh, from an African nation. So I asked, uh, just because everybody thinks differently about this, I said, tell me on any given Sunday morning, would you have 85 or 90% of the whole population in church? He said it gone down a little bit. We're probably down at about 84%. We don't think that get like that here, right? And I'm just saying, don't miss what God is doing, using his church everywhere. And the same could be true right here. In this place, all the way back to 1869, just a little group of 13 people decided to come together and start a little prairie church. By 1882, 37 people captured a vision for what God could do in Louisville, and they established and built a church called the First Baptist Church of Louisville. So for 141 years or so, the message about Christ and the gospel had gone out about what he can do and how he can change people's lives. Don't miss that very point. Through these years, God has has preserved us, if you will. He has kept us. He has uh, let us grow and see how faithfulness to his word is able to kind of chain things around. He is the only one who can create anything out of nothing, created this community, this church, you all, to be his witnesses right here to the living God himself. A testimony about faith, a testimony about baptism, a testimony about a living relational church fellowship has gone out from this place for more than 140 years. Don't lose that vision, friends. That was God's vision. Then he gave it to us as a church, to all of you who are right here in from generations before. And we're here because of that high calling 
That's it. To become a community that is characterized by Christ himself. We pledge allegiance to the gospel and to the content and the very person about whom this gospel speaks. Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, that's a rich inheritance that we have received, yes? Don't miss this. You know, these early Christians that came, right, and that, that paid a very high price for us, in, the, in a sense, to be here today. And we kind of just live for free on, on some of that. People paid that price even with their lives, not so that they could have a place to come and have, have a sense of, you know, wonderful time and goosebumps when things were emotionally just right. They didn't create that place so that we could just, they could come and, and feel good and have a place where they think that everybody here will agree with us and say the things that make us feel good. No. They came to a place because they had met Jesus Christ. They met the way, the truth, and the life, and they were so sure that what they had met and that that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would change everything that they knew they had to share that. They could not keep it to themselves. That was it. That's what it meant to be the community of God. They were building a new community with new rules, new guidelines, guided by a new spirit, if you will, and say it in that way. A community where faith, love, and hope were the cornerstone, where grace and where uh, forgiveness became the guiding principles. A place where the lordship and the recognition of the same of Jesus Christ was the unchangeable constitution that determined and guided everything. In other words, they were the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how they found their identity. That's where the allegiance were placed. And this text that we're going to read together today will speak to that very thing both from a negative side and from a positive side, if you will. It's kind of intriguing. You have seen the, the sermon title. Some of you are wondering, what in the world, Jesus, Joseph, what is that? But those of you who know a little bit about how names worked and how historically we got all these son names like Anderson and Peterson and so on, that means the son of, right? Back in the day, the son of Peter was called Peterson, right? son of Joseph was called Joseph, and the son of my son would be called Prevenson, right? That's just how it worked back then. And so, here's what we see. Luke chapter 4. If you're not quite sure how to find that, go to where the New Testament begins. You first find Matthew, then Mark, and then comes Luke in this chapter 4. And we'll begin to read right here in verse 14. Listen to this. Follow on the screen. If you have your, your scriptures, and I invite you at home to do the exact same thing. Please don't just lean back with a cup of coffee. Lean in that we would be part of the worship service right here. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in the synagogues, being praised by everyone. 
He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as usually he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the the sight of the blind. To set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. And they were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. And yet they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Joseph's son. And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do this here in your hometown also. He also said, Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days. And when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over the land. Yet, Elijah was not sent to any of them except to a widow in Seraphah, in Sidon. And the prophet Elisha time there were many many in Israel who had leprosy and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman or Naaman as we say the Syrian when they heard this everyone in the synagogue was enraged and they got up drove him out of town and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on intending to hurl him over the cliff but he passed right through the crowd And went on his way. What happens when Jesus remains Joseph's son or Josephson? Think of it this way Jesus came to town. The worshipers had heard all kinds of things about him, what he had done in all the neighboring cities. And now he steps into their synagogue, the place where he'd grown up. And he steps up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah a prophecy that was spoken about him 800 years or so prior. And then he says, today, this very prophecy has been been fulfilled in your midst. And what do they do? The good citizen of Nazareth, they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Blinded by what they thought they knew and, and what they have always known, they, in spite of who he was, all they could see was Joseph's son, the son of the carpenter. And friend, they could see what they had always known. And it became a memory game of sort. Oh, I remember him. 
If there's ever anything that is a challenge to us today, listen to me, friends. That is it. That, that comes to all of us very easily. That we just get blinded by what we know. That we can't see anything else. They, they remained comfortable with what they knew. They, they were pledged in their hearts to get to follow God, but what they really wanted to follow was their own lifestyle. They were pledging allegiance to comfort will, if you will. They knew him so well, and here he was in their midst. I was reading this text, and again and again, I said, surely not. They knew what he was about. They, they heard about him, what he had done in other places, though. But they could not get beyond that he was just like that. Their vision was no greater than their own experience. They heard about Capernaum. That, that rumor had gone way before Jesus. It was only about 20 miles away from there as the, as the crow flies. And now he was here in their own city. And these good citizens of Nazareth wanted him to do some things for them, some spectacular stuff like he had done in Capernaum. They just didn't want him to change what they knew and what has always been. They knew who he was, and he was in that box as they were thinking. You know, I sometimes wonder about these things, and I couldn't help but to do it, especially here, why I mentioned also my student from, from Africa earlier. You know, we live in a time when we hear so much. I mean, we know of some shooting in a side street in Timbuktu before we know what the neighbors are all about. Yes? Well, that's just how it is. So we know what Jesus is doing everywhere in the world. Let us not get to the point where we say, we know what he did there, and that's fine. But may that not change who we are here. Let us not get to this point where we just ask this question, boy, you know, that's just Joseph's son. We can't be satisfied with that, friends. Can we, as a church... Can you, as a member of this church, as a part of this family of God here, or you, those of you who are visiting or who are listening in, can you be satisfied, filled with joy and fulfillment, with a small vision that is just okay that he does something other places, but not here? It's a real question, friends. Yes? You're here, eh? Yeah? Just, just notice what is here. The, the story is, is riveting in, in the kind of emphases that you find right here. And when it continues to show how God is, is just moving outside the congregation. When they're not willing or ready or open to what he will do. You know, the, what Jesus is doing is simply just rehearsing Israel's story. He's not saying anything they don't know. You remember? Back in the day when we were all starving, right, because there was no food, 
And Jesus goes to Seraphat. And instead of being repentant, they got angry. And then he goes on rehearsing more of the history that what everybody knew. That there were all kinds of leprous, leprous people in Israel, but, but it was Naaman or Naaman who got healed and he was a Syrian. And now they were enraged and they were ready to kill him, to just push him over the cliff of the city. And you can't help but to wonder, what, why, why that reaction? He's just, he's not saying anything they didn't know. He, he's just rehearsing history that they were rehearsing themselves. He was just highlighting some things. They had become comfortable with a culture where allegiance was about who they were and not about who he was. They had become accustomed to their understanding of God and not open to see what is God revealing to here to us. Remember, he stood right there, the revelation of God. It's not that they hadn't been, been at the synagogue a thousand times and they knew kind of what they wanted, but here God is revealing himself in their midst. And all they saw was Josephson. There's something about this that we need to hear. They were willing to hear about the great things of Capernaum. They just didn't want to become Capernaum. I hope we hear this with all the grace and with all the intention that this text brings to us for this, right? Jesus, this is at the beginning of his ministry. And so it brings to us the question about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be part of the family of God? Well, first and foremost, it means to be a part of his people, to be a member of his church. You've been called into a community, a new community, a new people, a new citizenship, a new way of thinking about life. You belong to the church. For, for foremost, the old uh, Christian was saying it's for Christ and for his church. I had some old members that I pastored about three decades ago. They're now in their 90s. Every Christmas I get a note from them, and it always ends like this. I hope all is well, or we hope all is well, with you and with the church. Those things were never separable. That's what we see right here as well. It's a different kind of citizenship. Those of you who travel, and you travel outside of this country, you know that you can't go anywhere without a passport. And when you stand with that, with that custom person, it doesn't matter who you are. That you say, well, you know, this is, I have an American passport, but you know, I really kind of disagree with these things. They don't care. You're an American. If that country will let you in, you can get in. If that country doesn't let you in, you're not going to get in. Yes? You're defined by your family. That's the New Testament kind of way of thinking about church and the community and the citizen, citizenship in the kingdom of God. Do not miss this. To be a Christian 
is to be an active part of the church. This, this, uh, thing, this thing about being an individualized, kind of a, a separated kind of a Christian is a modern Western conception that is completely unknown to the New Testament. If we asked Paul about it, he would go, what? Not that it's not for everyone individually and personally to come to faith and to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that it's not for each and every one to, to express that faith through our commitment to Christ in, in this covenantal, if you will, ceremony we call, we call baptism. But it's lived out, friends, in the church. It's about building a new community. That's what the early believers were all about. About a shared life together. They shared it with everyone around. They had a common purpose to share that life so that everyone could come to a stronger walk with God and to come to know him as their savior. I think what struck me more than anything uh, about this text when I was reading it again and again here this week, um, Jesus was right there in their midst. They could see God's own son with their own eyes. They could touch his garment, if you will. This was their chant. They've even heard about great things that he has done. And the only thing they saw was Joseph. So here's the question. I asked myself reading this, what would I have answered if someone had said, isn't that Joseph's son? I hopefully would have said, no, 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 no. A million times, no. Just like the voice said at Jesus' baptism, just like it said at the Mount of Transfiguration, just like it said in, in evidence for us in, in the genealogies we talked about just a few Sundays ago, no, he is the son of God, the Christ, not just the son of Joseph. And so what does that mean? That he is the son of God. Jesus the Christ. Well, it's what he spells out in verse 18 and 19 right here. These verses were Jesus' proclamation. It's his own proclamation. Like a program kind of agenda, if you will. This is what I'm going to be about. And it went like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind. To set free the oppressed. Friends, when we become in Christ, when we become in Christ, his agenda become our agenda. So we become the people who can say the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We become the spirit and the people can say, we're here to help blind people see the Lord again. We're here to help poor people get fed again. We're here to help oppressed people be set free again in the name of Jesus. That's it. Through Christ. With the proclamation that he is the Christ. 
And we think, you know, that sounds all biblical. It sounds all back then. But friends, the reality is, of course, right here in this place. For 23 years, these beautiful walls have been the frame around the worship and the praise and the prayers and the evangelism and all of that in this place. And hundreds and hundreds of people can say, I met God right here. Yes, that's the truth. Throughout the years, that has been the reality. So this is right here. We want to see this again. It's not enough that it happens in Capernaum. It's not enough that it happened in time. We want to see that right here. Think about it. God the Almighty has found you and you and you and you and you and you and you you all for this generation, for this time. Yes? This is the time, friends, when he called us to be here. It doesn't matter whether you're 9 or 90. This is the time. It doesn't matter if you can't be there here because you're homebound and just can't make physically the way to get here. You can still be part of that. But we who are able-bodied and can be here, we want to stand together and be his church. Yes? Life together. I'm going to ask everyone to stand It's my prayer, friends, that there will not be one single one of you today that will not reach out to another person to say, I want to share my life with you. That includes my faith and in every way I can do something to you and for you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, he'll give you the power for that. This is the time. Just come forward. Some of you may want to just grab someone's hand and say, I want to pray for you. And I want to start right now. If you want to move, that's fine. Whatever that is, God is going to speak. And we want to be his people. Father, bless us, this church, each who is here. There's some that are at home right now that said, i got to go and be a part of that. You all just come on down. Get in the car and drive down. We'll be here for a while. Do your work, O Lord, in each heart. And everyone here, you're welcome to use this altar. Talk to someone, pray, come join the church, whatever.